In the last episode of Footnotes, we talked to Carolyn Crockett about My Town, the nonprofit she started, as an example of how we might cultivate recognition, belonging, agency, and ownership through walking. It always seemed like Boston was elsewhere or for someone else, or it was this kind of uh, inaccessible idea. And so um, as I just got a bit older and started to really question kind of why is it that I feel so like I don't, I don't know who Boston is for. And I, as someone who was born in this city, do not feel like the city is mine. And, and always thought the, the, a Bostonian was someone else and never me. This guy, Greg Ricks, famous guy in my heart, <laughs> took a bunch of us out on this walking tour of the South End in Roxbury and talked to us, uh, a group of young college students, students of color in a local leadership program and talked to us about the city's evolution in the 20th century in the context of organizing, protests, uh, fights, and a lot of these different cultural stories that we hadn't heard about. The idea was really to, to allow you to, to dream, to own, uh, own an idea of yourself, own an idea of your city, and let that be a way to build a greater sense of collective and collective power. So this is, this is, this is the quest still, even now, and if my town played some role in that for these young people, then um, I just feel uh, grateful, even though we still have more work to do. This is Footnotes. Over the course of the last two episodes, we've explored some potential social infrastructure solutions to walkability. Solutions that seek to change the culture that makes walking such a hostile activity for many Black Indigenous people of color. In this fifth and final episode of the series, we're going to learn about a movement that is motivating hundreds of thousands of Black women and girls across the country to walk together. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I honestly didn't know if anyone would show up. Um, so I was like, hey, like, if no one comes, I'm still going to rock it out. And, you know, luckily a few people showed up. This is Nicole Chandler. Originally from Little Rock, Arkansas, Nicole works for the city of Boston's Age Strong Commission. Our goal is to make Boston the best place for people to age. So it's all about the 8 to 80 model of creating a city that works for people of all ages and abilities. Nicole is also a neighborhood captain for the Dorchester chapter of Girl Trek. So Girl Trek is a national nonprofit, and their mission is basically focusing on the health crisis affecting black women and girls in the country. And it's rooted in the model of when black people, black women walk, our society changes. Girl Trek is pioneering a health movement, founded in the principles of the civil rights movement, to promote walking, community building, and health advocacy. So Harriet Tubman is our role model because she learned that she needed to free herself in order to help other people. And so we very much believe in we have to care for ourselves free ourselves in order to better serve our families, our in our jobs, but also in our communities. 82% of Black women and girls are overweight, and 53% are obese. Every single day, 137 Black women die from heart disease, which is more than HIV, gun violence, and smoking combined. For Girl Trek founders Vanessa Garrison and T. Morgan Dixon, 
these statistics were much more than just numbers on a page. These were their mothers, grandmothers, aunts, and sisters. After losing several women in their families to preventable weight-related diseases, they decided to take up the fight. And they started this group called Girl Track, and at the time it was just them walking with friends, going on hikes, and then they said, let's scale this up because there are other black women and girls who need this kind of love and also this kind of support. And so from 2010 onward through today, um, Girl Track is around the country, but also globally in Africa. And the goal is to have a million women walking by 2020, by the end of this year. As of this recording, over 830,000 women have taken the Girl Track pledge. The structure is relatively simple. Participating cities are divided up into neighborhood groups, which are led by volunteers. Women are encouraged to walk four days a week on their own, and once a week they hold a group walk. Group walks typically take place on Saturday mornings, and new trekkers can find their local group through the website. So each week we walk a different direction. It's usually two and a half miles by and large. Um, And then anyone who RSVPs through the website, you know, I'll send them um, an email or a text reminder that, hey, don't forget the walk is this Saturday. We can't wait to see you. Um, That kind of thing so that folks have all the information that they need so that they can prepare themselves to come. Each neighborhood group has a set of dedicated captains. Nicole's co-captain, Sharon Scott, is a Boston native, where she works at a grassroots organization doing community development work. Before joining Girl Trek, Sharon was already a fitness fanatic, but she lacked the community support for her physical and emotional health. Black women and groups are beautiful. I think having our own group sharing our experiences. I mean, there's a lot of stressors, you know, being a black woman in America. And I just think it's everything. I think the support, I mean, often we can think, oh, we can do it on our own, but the group means everything to have that support, to have that, that, that motivator, like, okay, you know, Saturday is the day we're supposed to meet at 10 o'clock. And even if you're saying, oh gosh, I'm tired. I don't feel like doing it. You know, that group is there waiting for you. And that to me is everything. Cause I said, okay, I, I cannot do it by myself. And for a long time, everything in terms of exercise, health and wellness, you know, my well-being, it's all on my own and the group support It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful dynamic to have other black women there sharing your experiences, you know, encouraging you, pushing you. You know, we laugh, we joke. I mean, we're walking, but we're laughing, we're joking, we're talking about serious topics, you know, most of the time. But I love having that group support. Walking for 30 minutes a day, five days a week is all that is needed to meet the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services guidelines for adult physical activity. Yet only one in five Americans meet this goal. And walking is the easiest exercise that one can do. And I don't care how you feel when you start, but once you get out in the element, in the sunlight, in the air, it does something. It it changes your whole demeanor if you were stressed the stress goes away if you wait long enough you know you can walk it off so I I love to walk that is my you know the go-to exercise the health impacts of Girl Trek's work are tangible 
their members are exercising more, losing weight, and taking fewer medications. But Girl Trek is not just a fitness organization. They recognize that the epidemics of obesity and heart disease affecting Black women at exponential rates are not rooted exclusively in individual habits and lifestyle choices. And so programs aimed at diet and exercise only often fail to address the violence, trauma, and toxic stress experienced by so many Black women. And I, I highly suspect for many uh, Black women that the environments that we are in, you know, again, you know, white supremacy, racism is so embedded in this society. People do things and they just think it's normal. It doesn't even phase them. And that does have an effect and it does take a toll on your psyche, your physical health, your mental health. It takes its toll. Sharon compared it to the Paul Dunbar poem, We Wear the Mask. We're constantly switching, you know, our demeanor, our presence, you know, in these different environments. And it's just because we are trying to get through the day. But I don't think that we should have to suffer in those spaces. You know, and I think Black women do a lot of suffering in these environments. Both Nicole and Sharon express the importance for them of having a space where that mask can come off and they can be entirely themselves. Girl Track is unapologetically black. So like from the complexions and the body types and the hair types and how we integrate history and how we integrate, you know, um, you know, certain words that are very common in the black community and how we integrate music, like all aspects of black culture are integrated into the work. And that's what I love because on a day to day basis, you're combating your blackness with reinforcing kind of these white standards that we've created and that even us as black people have internalized. And so Girl Trek gives you the space to push back and be like, nah, I'm going to be my 100% authentic self. Like I'm not code switching for you. I'm not conforming. It's be you and own it. And so I love that part of Girl Trek as well. When you're in Girl Trek, you don't have to shrink yourself. You don't have to censor yourself. You are who you are. Black just is, and you can be, as Nicole said, unapologetically black. Girl Trek believes in the sentiment expressed by Audre Lorde, that self-care is political. As black women living in a country that so regularly devalues their labor, their intelligence, their emotions, and their lives, taking the time to care for themselves is an act of rebellion and liberation. They wanted people to see that women, black women can be healthy. They can be happy. They can be laughing. They don't have to be, you know, depressed, tired, worked, overworked, stressed, like all of these things that we typically associate with black womanhood. You know, it's a lot of empowerment. It's a lot of building up people's self-esteem through walking. And I don't, I don't think there is, you know, a place in the city that we don't belong. Each year, Girl Trek organizes a stress protest, where women gather for a wilderness retreat in Rocky Mountain National Park, Colorado, for hiking, horseback riding, meditation, yoga, and more. This is part of a larger effort to give Black women space to connect with and be in nature. I try to take people on hikes outside of the walks that I give so that folks can have a different environment, so that they can go to places that they've either never heard of, or maybe they've wanted to go, but didn't necessarily feel like, I don't know if that's really the place for me. And so when we go, 
You know, I tell them like, be yourself. If you want to be loud and play your music and that's your thing, then do it. But don't feel like you have to tone down yourself because we're in a space that has traditionally been told it's not for you. Um, But I also like to tell people that like, you know, we're part of a lineage of people who use nature to free ourselves. So despite the fact that we have this very complicated history and relationship with the outdoors that it's as much for us as it is for everybody else and that you only get comfortable when you start taking those spaces and claiming that they're your own as well and I you know believe as a black woman like we, we have to live we have to live and we have to thrive more than just survive and we're in the world and to shrink yourself and to always have that weight carried on you thinking about oh, you know, I can't go here, I can't do this, who's going to think this, you know, how am I going to be made to feel? You've got to walk in there with your head held high. I belong. I belong in this space, you know, regardless of what anybody may be thinking. I belong here. Nicole, you and I went to, is it called um, REI? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the sporting goods store. There were not a lot of black folks. And, um, you know, I, I don't think um, maybe there is this, this notion that old black folks don't, they don't hike, they don't go canoeing. But I think that's part of when you deal with how deeply rooted racism is when you have those thoughts because black folks do everything. I mean, every, I mean, there are people who are runners. There are people who love to ski, you know, we were there and there weren't that many black folks. There were a sprinkling. We had a good time. We played, what was that? Toad in a hole or whatever that game was. (laughs) Girl Trek is explicit throughout all of their messaging that they are a campaign for healing. Girl Trek members walk to heal themselves, their families, and their communities, and to reclaim the streets of their neighborhoods. Members across the country have organized around issues such as gun violence, voter disenfranchisement, and the movement for Black lives. One year we walked in the Peace Walk to show solidarity for people who've lost loved ones to violence and showing that walking can take many forms and it can be for internal healing, but it could also be for community healing. And I feel like that's something that is very consistent across the country with all the women who trek. Um, And I think it's also just kind of naturally organic or intuition is to support our community because we're ultimately affected by what happens in it. Um, So yeah, I just think of myself as one of many women who are walking to transform our communities in this world, essentially. Girl Trek members have also fought to improve their local walking environments, like Pam Jiner in Montbello, Colorado, who fought to bring sidewalks to her neighborhood and won. Ironically, but not surprisingly, a social infrastructure solution to increasing walking has actually led to built infrastructure improvements. You know, if you think about how neighborhoods are changing in Boston right now, how some of them are being designed to make them more walkable and more desirable than that kind of creates the conversation of why didn't we do this 25 years ago? Like, why are we doing these investments now? 
Nicole and Sharon's group have benefited from having a co-captain who works in city government and understands how infrastructure changes get made. But Nicole hopes that her fellow Trekkers will continue to have a critical eye towards how the city develops and who's benefiting from it. You know, one of the things I wonder is like how often do black people or people in general think about the infrastructure of their neighborhood when it comes to walkability? I feel like we have these terms that are very common if you work in government or planning, but we don't necessarily communicate that outwardly to folks who are not in these little niches of the world. And so I feel like Girl Trek kind of gets folks an introductory crash course about, you know, as you're walking, thinking about what you see, like, do you actually feel safe crossing the street? Do you cross mid-block versus at the crosswalk? And I feel like Girl Trek gives folks that kind of general knowledge, but then connects them to these other opportunities to really further that knowledge and actually get some kind of substantial change to happen. Girl Trek wants women to walk for their health and to increase their lifespans, but they recognize that Black women need much more than physical activity to heal from stress and trauma. They do this by creating a space where Black women can be together, whether it's on the streets of their neighborhood or in the mountains of Colorado. What would it mean for city planners to create spaces of healing? How could we design a park or a city street to be a place where marginalized groups can come together and heal? What could our cities be if everyone who lives there can feel at home in public? started this project in July of 2019. Some days it feels like so much has changed since then, but other days I'm reminded of just how little really has. The pandemic has laid bare the consequences of centuries of broken systems built on structures of oppression. 2020 brought a terrible storm and only some of us had boats. So where do we go from here? First, I think we all just need to take a pause. I've seen so many white planners and policymakers framing this moment as an opportunity to ram through long stall proposals. This is how we continue to create responses cultivated in an echo chamber, rather than real solutions to the underlying problems. If you're a white planner or policymaker or advocate, please do not assume that you have all the answers because you've read the NACTO guides and walkable city rules release the idea that just because a solution makes sense to you and your life experience, that it's a solution that will make sense to everyone else. I like plazas and shared streets just as much as any other white girl who studied abroad, but I won't kid myself to believe that what I like is what's right for everyone. In the words of my mentor, Julian Ashman, you cannot retrofit equity. And community planning processes that are truly equitable and in the words of Dr. Destiny Thomas, dignity-infused, are slow. But at the same time that I make the case for slowing down and stepping back, I'd like to make the case that culture has the capacity to change so much more quickly than the built environment. Putting in a bike lane or slowing down the citywide speed limit can take years of pushing local officials. But we have the power to shift our culture right now. 
Like Carolyn Crockett says, history is just a series of decisions. We have the choice right now to change how we behave, to do the work of examining our biases and blind spots, to give up power and uplift those we wish to amplify. We make thousands of these decisions, large and small, every day. Who will you hire for this job? Whose opinion will you prioritize at this public meeting? If you're driving, will you always stop for the pedestrian? If you're walking or taking the bus, will you give space? If you see someone new in your neighborhood, will you assume the worst? Or will you mind your own business? With every word and every action, we are nudging the culture one way or another. The truth is, we are the environment. There is no separation. If you'd like to learn more about the people, places, and ideas discussed in this episode, check out the resources tab at footnotespod.com. Graphic design for Footnotes is by Micah Epstein. The music is from Blue Dot Sessions. I'd like to thank Nicole Chandler and Sharon Scott for all their time. I'd also like to take an extra moment to thank some of the other people who were part of this process. A big shout out to Mary Davis, Julian Ajaman, and Penn Lowe, along with my other peers and professors at the Tufts University Department of Urban and Environmental Policy and Planning, and a special shout out to my partner, Seth, for putting up with me for the past 14 months. This has been Footnotes. Footnotes.